0: Thank you, Tim. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. God is good, and I'm glad to be here. And uh, wow, like, this is an awesome setup. Okay, we don't have nothing like this on the East Coast. I'm telling you that, that right now. And, and then I'm so impressed by you all's campus. And I'm like, wow, like God has blessed you all with some awesome resources. And, and then for praise and worship, I was like, wow, they even had Bruno Mars up here. Like, <laughs> daggone. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about you. All right. And, and so I was like, man, just, just such angelic voices. And, and so, yes, my, my young man right there, I don't even know your name, but God bless you. And, and the other two gentlemen up here. And let, let me tell you what, the youth, all right, using their gifts to bring honor and glory to God. Come on now, all right. And if God has given you a gift, don't use it to do the devil's work. Use it to give praises to his name. And so I pray for, for you all's faithfulness, amen, that you forever use your gifts to uplift Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, guys, God has blessed me with uh, an awesome testimony. I'm a firm believer in Revelations 12:11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, all right. Coming together as believers and just sharing all the things that God has done. All right. So that we encourage one another, where we uplift one another and embolden one another in courage and in our faith is pretty awesome. And it's pretty special. But I got to share with you that um, some of you, you, you know a little bit about where I'm right now uh, on First Fruits Farm. Um, growing, harvesting, and donating more than a million pounds of food, um, all up with the name of Jesus. But but the thing is, is that those are the fruits, okay? And everybody know that, look, that there's an origin story, that it didn't start out that way, all right? Um, Of course, it started with a lot of flesh and a lot of selfishness until there was a heart conversion, all right? And so grew up in North Carolina, grew up in the Bible belt. You had to go to church every single Sunday morning. And if you didn't, you were going to get the belt. All right. <laughs> and, and, and so in my youth, you know what, man, you know, I'm forced to come here. Didn't go upon my own free will. And, and so, yeah, of course, I played church, didn't take it seriously, uh, cutting out here and there. And even all throughout my youth, even though I, could, I saw areas and I could pinpoint where God was, was still blessing me, all right, I was still being unfaithful. I wasn't taking Jesus seriously. But now, out of habit, even into my early adulthood, out of habit, I still went to church. Still, you know, put on those clothes every Sunday morning, went out of habit. But let me tell you what, I was faking church. And I was the worst of all because I was a hypocrite. And let me tell you what, nobody could tell except for God, except for Jesus. Nobody could tell because I got real good being a liar, all right? I got real good putting on the happy face and smiling and, and God bless you, brother, all right? And I'll be praying for you and, 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 and you know, looking real good and, and putting on that fake facade on Sunday morning and then living like hell Monday through Saturday. Can, can I get an amen? amen? Come on now. And now everybody in the world thought that I was this, this nice guy, this good guy, all right? But who, who can you not fake it with? Oh, my wife knew exactly who I was, all right? And, and, and guess what? How, how, how many fathers out here, when, when, when your children get around to so some other guests or some other company, you, you got to make, make sure, you know, that they don't ask them the wrong questions because your children will call you out? Because your children, they know if you're living a double standard. They know if you're not practicing what you preach and then you got to pull your child aside and say, "Hey, hey, yo, uh, do, do, don't tell them everything we do here, all right? You know, don't 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 do this. Guess what? Come on now, we can't have a form of godliness and then denying the power thereof, and all the while denying Jesus. But let me tell you how awesome He is and how much He loves us so." that there were pinpoints where where I I could still tell. I knew that he was trying to give me a message. I knew that he was trying to call me to him. Had my older brother. My older brother, Lunsford Bernard Brown II, served in the United States Army, all right, in, in the military, seven years older than me, most awesome big brother in the world. And while I was in my junior year at Carolina, he was slain in service, paid the ultimate sacrifice. All right. And even then, I knew that I could honor his memory and his legacy by the life that I lived. And guess what? It didn't draw me any closer to Jesus. I said, you know what? I'm going to take all of that passion and and, and all of that motivation, and I'm going to keep pouring it into football. All right. And and not into my faith. And and yeah, it, it propelled me to the highest heights, being drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in 2005 in the fourth round. Played four years with them. And then I earned the highest contract at the time for a center, $37.5 million with the St. Louis Rams. And so we move out to St. Louis, and I'm living my best life, all right? Living my best life, bought a stupid 12,000-square-foot mansion, and there was no peace in that home, all right? There was no peace in that home because... God wasn't in that house. Come on now. How how, how many of you know, like like some, some sleepless nights, you can't get a good night's rest. You go to bed, stress out of your mind, and you wake up in the morning. And you know, you've been there and done that. Money can't buy you happiness. And there's only one source that can bring you that true joy. And I woke up one morning, and I should have been happy for myself. It was my birthday. Turned 27 years old. And I I, I woke up, walked into the bathroom, wiping the crust from my eyes, and I couldn't stand to look at myself. Because 27 was the same age that my older brother was slain in service. Seven years had passed, and now, yeah, I I made it to the top of my mountain. I made it to the top of, of my Everest. And I'm looking around, and it's cold and it's lonely. And I began to measure up everything I had accomplished over 27 years in comparison with my brother. And there was no comparison. He had lived a life of service and sacrifice. Now, I'm, I'm living a life of, of selfishness, fortune, and fame. He wore a size 14 shoe. I wear a size 16 shoe. Don't make me start hanging foot up here, all right? I wear a size 16 shoe, and I couldn't wear his shoes. I couldn't walk a mile in his shoes. And a lot of people say we look alike, especially when we smile. And I saw his reflection look right back at me in the mirror. And he said, Jason, what are you doing with your life that's so great? What are you doing with your life that's so awesome? And it's as literally as though he had came back from the grave and just pricked my heart. All right. But guess what? In my selfishness, in my flesh, I still didn't repent. It still didn't draw me any closer to Jesus because I'm a control freak. I wanna live my own life. I've got my dreams. I've got things that I wanna do. And to bow down and serve him, I wanna do what I wanna do, okay? I wanna live my life and still denying Jesus. And when I say I denied him a thousand times, but let me tell you how much he loves us. Walking through that house, Late one night, it was about 1130, late 2011, and I'm so wound up in my selfishness, and I'm in such denial, and my family is a mess, but I think I'm strong enough to fix it. I I think I'm smart enough, you know, to to figure this thing out, to try and have my cake and eat it too. And little did I know, my wife, she couldn't even stand me anymore because I was such a hypocrite. Every time someone heard, every time she heard someone say, oh, Jason Brown, man, you're you're such a great guy and this, man, it just boiled her on the inside because she knew who I really was. And she had already drafted the papers. I just hadn't even been served yet. So this is how much Jesus loved me, guys. Walking through that house, and he stops me right dead in my tracks, and he says, Jason, today. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew exactly that he was calling me to repent. I knew exactly that he was calling me to humble myself, to surrender. And he said, Jason, today. I said, no, Jesus, I'm good. I'll humble myself and I'll repent tomorrow. He said, no, Jason, today. And we heard that song, tomorrow. I give my life tomorrow. I thought about today. Hey, it's so much easier to say. We've heard that song. That's right. Praise God. Hey, hey, you you ain't the only one out there, Bruno Mars. Come on now. All right. And so I said tomorrow a thousand times, and Jesus, he wouldn't back down. If someone loves you that much. If they love you that much that they're going to intervene, I ain't going to let you take one more step. You're going to get this. And he loved me so much. He showed me a vision, crystal clear, high definition, just like these screens. He showed me my future. He showed me the brokenness. He showed me the bankruptcy, he showed me the divorce, he showed me that I wasn't even in the same state as my wife and children. They were in a whole nother state. I wasn't able to hug them and hold them anytime I wanted. And in the end, he showed me that I was surrounded by demons. He showed me the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and they were just surrounding me saying, Jason, you're so stupid. You fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. You're so stupid. And I'm down on my, and guess what? I got down on my knees real quick. All right, guys? And I said, Jesus, I, I, I know that you can redeem and restore my family. I know that you can redeem and restore my marriage. Just say the words, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it right now. Just say the words, Jesus. Whatever you want me to do, please, please fix my family. Please save my family. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my children. And this is the position right here that I never wanted to be in. Never. In sports, this is the weakest position. If you're in wrestling, you're giving up your back If you're playing football, the play is over. It's down. If you're boxing, the count is out. But for him, this is the strongest position you can ever be in. Ever. I never wanted to be in this position because... I'm still the strongest football player to ever come through Carolina's football program. Bench pressing well over 500, squatting well over 1,000. No, excuse me, 800, not 1,000. All right, that's getting up there right there, 800. All right, forgive me. I'm, I'm trying to embellish some of my accomplishments, Lord. Squatting, squatting well over 800. It was close to 850. And power cleaning. Power cleaning, split jerk, 420 pounds over my head. I never wanted to be in that position. Any room I walk into, I know that usually I'm about the strongest guy in the room. Got my degree from Carolina, any room I walk into, I'm I'm just about one of the smartest guys in the room and I thought I was strong enough and I thought I was smart enough to figure this thing out. But every path, every road led to disaster, led to destruction, every path, it led to hell. What doth it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And so while I was down on my knees, Jesus responded to me. And I heard a clear, audible voice pour it all down the drain. And I'm like, man, Jesus, I, I, I said whatever you want me to do, you know, just please save my marriage. Please save my family. I, I don't understand what that means. Like, that's, that, that's kind of cryptic. And again, he said pour it all down the drain. And I opened my eyes and I'm looking outside a window and I'm like, dude, I have no idea what that means. And I turn, and look behind me and I'm like, oh, cause I was on my knees in front of just one of the bars in my home. And I wasn't even a, a, a drinking guy. But if you got a bar, the cool thing to do is to, to stock it with all this top shelf liquor, all right? And the bar in my basement, man, it was 20 feet long. Halfway across this stage, I wasn't uplifting the name of Jesus in my home. I was uplifting the name of Captain Morgan and Jack Daniels. And let me share a message with you guys. Whatever you lift up in your home, whatever false idols and idolatry you have in your home, you better know your children are taking notice. Because if you're uplifting those things, if you're worshiping those things, they're going to follow suit, and they're going to worship those things as, as well. But now in obedience, I snatched up a trash can real quick, started uncorking each bottle, thousands and thousands of dollars of liquor, even, even a, a bottle of Louis Thirteenth. At the time, I spent maybe like $2,000 for it. Right now, I know it, it, it would be way more. Aged cognac, poured it all down the drain. And I'm filling up that trash can. It's clanking bottles around, making noise. And my wife, that's right, who couldn't stand me at the time, she came out the bedroom. What are you doing making all this noise? You're going to wake up the children. And she could see the tears and the snot flowing down my face. And I said, dear, I'm pouring it all down the drain. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. Why? And I said, dear, because Jesus Told me to. Huh? Oh, hold on a second now. She had never heard me sing that tune before. Never. Because let me tell you another song. I was bad, bad, Jason Brown, baddest man in the whole daggone town, meaner than a junkyard dog. You know what song I'm talking about. Where, where you're so wound up in your flesh, you're so wound up in your selfishness in such denial that nobody can tell you anything. And so when I say that that was just the most awesome, liberating experience I've ever had in my life, and I went into where I'm still playing football, went into the locker room the next day, sat down beside my locker mate, and I'm so excited. I was like, man, I had an awesome breakthrough with my relationship with Christ last night. And and he's like, man, slow down, Jason. I'm I'm so excited, all right? And and, and man, he told me to pour it all down the drain, and and I listened to him. I I opened up each bottle in my bar, and I poured it down the drain. He's like, Jason, calm down, man. I'm trying to follow you, man. I'm like, dude, like, do you hear me? Aren't you excited for me? He's like, I I didn't been to your house, all right? I, I didn't seen both of your bars. You mean to tell me that You poured all that down the drain? I'm like, yeah, man. He said, look, I'm excited for your breakthrough in your relationship with Jesus. But look, next time Jesus tells you to get rid of something or throw it away, call me. I'm your friend, okay? I'll I'll be right there to take it right off of your hands. And I said, no, sir. He didn't say throw it away or give it away. He said, pour it down the drain. We serve an intentional God. Amen? And so let me tell you what, guys, you talk about a spiritual high because I knew how to be obedient with my football coaches. I ne- didn't know how to be obedient to Christ. But I was like, that's all I got to do is just, man, you, you tell me to do it and I do it. You tell me to run, I'll run for you. Tell me to knock down a brick wall, you on right brick wall. Better watch out. Better hire a mason right now because it's going down. And so I said, man, Jesus, like, dude, like, just like the disciples in Matthew 10, like, I'm ready, send me out. I'm ready to, man, to to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. And Jesus, like, easy there, player, okay, calm down. Don't you know you're unfit for ministry outside the home until you're the father and the husband I've called you to be inside your home? I better get an amen for that one. All right. Come on now. And so guys, I had to learn what it meant to truly love my wife as Christ loves the church. I had to learn what it meant to to be faithful in my role as a father, as a shepherd, as their pastor, their priest, and their prophet, amen, to train up my children the way that they should go. I had to learn how to do all those things, but guess what? I knew how to make money. I knew how to be successful in the world. I didn't know how to be faithful. And so it's like all of a sudden now, it's like I'm a grown man, but I'm a babe in Christ. Like I wasted all this time denying Jesus. And, and it's awesome that now that he has my heart, but it's like, dude, like I, I, I still need so much understanding. Like I, I, I still, I, I, man, just feed me. Just give me more. And so here's the thing. I knew how to go to football training camp. I said, you know what, Jason? You got to go to spiritual training camp and learn some faithfulness. And early 2012, I made it real simple. It was real simple. Scripture, fasting, and prayer. Scripture, fasting, and prayer. Because if you're going to get into and develop a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ— you got to pray to him. You better read your word because he is the word manifest made flesh. And as far as fasting, man, denying ourself of this world, amen, so that our hunger and our thirst is for him and not of this world. Now, now I see a few chuckles out there, all right. I, I see you guys out there, and some of you are saying, pfft. Jason, you look like you ain't fasted a day in your life. And hey, you, Hey, you mind your business, all right? All right? Look, 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 when I break my fast, I, I, I make up for it a little bit, okay? But you mind your business, all right? But Scripture, fasting, and prayer over and over again. Kiss. Keep it real simple, stupid, all right? Scripture, fasting, and prayer. Learning the fundamentals. And I started in the Bible right at Genesis. I wasn't playing Bible roulette. Man, man, I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm going all throughout. Feed me, Jesus. I didn't even know how to pray at the time, so I bought a book on prayer. And I just started reciting those prayers, all right, until I started developing my, my own organic prayers. Praise God, all right, and so I'm getting throughout the book of, of, of Genesis, move on to Exodus, then Leviticus, Numbers, like, praise God. And Holy Spirit brings me right back to the story of Joseph and everything Joseph had done in his life. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's a great story. All right. You know, he had, had some brothers he had to deal with. They sold him into slavery, but he overcame a lot of adversity. And God, your favor was over his life the whole time. Praise God. Let me move on. Holy Spirit, nah, go, go on back to the story of Joseph. Has God ever, ever tried to place something on your heart that you didn't get the first time and he takes you right back to it? Okay, he's like, "Come, I'm going to make sure you get this because I've got something for you. And I'm like, okay, so uh, you, you prepared him uh, to and place him in position second in command over all of Egypt to prepare for, for food and security. There's going to be a famine in the land. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I can catch a point. All right. I got in my truck, I ran to Sam's Club and loaded up with a whole bunch of non-perishable food items and canned goods, brought them back to my house and stored up my pantry. And I said, I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse, amen? Like, bless me, Lord, thank you. And the Holy Spirit convicted me so hard, said, Jason, I have not been blessing you all this time for my blessings to stop at you. I've been blessing you for my blessings to flow through you. But all the time... We all love the 23rd Psalm, especially when it gets to the point where our cup runneth over. And God had continued to bless me. My cup was running over. But in my selfishness, I said, hold on a second, God. Keep pouring, but let me trade out that cup for a bowl and and, and fill that up, God. Give give me more money. Give give me more fortune and fame, All, all of those things. And this ain't got nothing to do with prosperity gospel. Nothing to do with that. That was my selfishness my selfishness. And Jesus did not die on the cross so we could have a nicer house and live in luxury or we could drive a luxury car and live in comfort. He said, birds of the air have nests, foxes have dens. Where does the Son of Man have to lay his head? Come on now. There's work to be done. And this is nothing, has nothing to do with comfort. And so I said, all right, so, so you're drawing my heart towards food and hunger and food and security. But, but, man, we live in America. Like, come on now. Like, when we think of hunger, we think about third world countries. And he said, no, Jason, take a closer look. And when I took a closer look, yeah, I, I was so wrapped up in my own little world that I wasn't even seeing all of the suffering all around us. And in Matthew 25, Jesus said, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have also done for me. And so I said, this is something that you want me to do about it, and you don't want me to purchase food or buy food. You mean you you actually want me to do something about it. And so I had to reduce it, guys, and like food just doesn't show up on the dollar menu and not in grocery stores. Food is grown on farms by farmers. It's agriculture. I'm like, that's what you want me to do, Jesus? Ding, 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 Yes. That's exactly what I want you to do. And I'm like, hold on a second now, Jesus. Like, I don't know nothing about that, all right? And every excuse that I have, he's taking it away. Walk by faith. I'll supply your every need, all right? I'll supply you with the blessings and the resources. And so I struggled with that, guys, for a little bit. But by the grace of God, I told him I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. And he upheld his deal of the bargain. When I say that my marriage was hitting on all cylinders in just a couple of months, praise God. Amen. When I say that my wife and I, we were getting on the same page, we were equally yoked. When I say, man, my my blessed family, my children, he saved my family. He redeemed and restored my family. He did what he said he was going to do. He saved me. from my sins. He saved me from hell. And let me tell you what. I'm a bond servant to Christ. Bond servant translation, it equals slave. Ooh, ooh, oh, that's right. Black man talking about slavery. You daggone right. My life was purchased with a price. My life is not my own. Whatever you want me to do, I gotta do it. Praise God. I've got to surrender. I've got to walk in obedience. And so, guys, the greater your calling is, the greater the mission that God has for you in your life, you ain't seen nothing yet from the enemy, all right? When when, when you decide, amen, to fully repent from this world and to fully say, I'm going to walk in faith, And not just one day a week, but I'm going to take up my cross daily and follow after you. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because let me tell you what, Satan knows your favorite flavor of ice cream, okay? Satan knows just your favorite type Uh, of woman, all right, whether she a blonde, a brunette, just how tall. Guess what? He's not going to dangle something in front of your face that's not tempting, He's going to try and capture your eye. He's going to try and get in your ear. And so I'm ready to leave the NFL. I'm ready to walk away. And my agent calls me up and says, Jason, there's three teams that want to sign you to a long-term deal. Like, you can't leave. Like, you can be a, a multimillionaire all over again. And I shouldn't have even entertained him. I should have hung up the phone and just kept walking in faith. But you know how you want to satisfy your curiosity? And so I was just released by the St. Louis Rams, and I I was a free agent. But now I have the ability to follow God's calling. I don't have to play football anymore. I'm a free agent. But now I'm going to be a free agent for his kingdom. Praise God. And so here's the thing, my agent says, Jason, three teams want to sign you to a long-term deal. The Carolina Panthers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because those were the specific three teams that only me and my wife knew. My agent didn't even know that I wanted to play for more so than anything. And if you calculate those odds, 31 times 30 times 29 is one in the tens of thousands to have just that variance of that opportunity to come up. And Satan is simply saying, don't follow after God's heart. If you just bow down and serve me, I'll give you all these things that you said that you wanted. And let me tell you how difficult it is, guys. After God had saved me, all right, after I'm following after his heart, after, after he's redeemed and restored my marriage, and then all of a sudden Satan is saying, I'll give you everything you said that you previously wanted. Do you know that I not only turn and look back? Do you know that I got on a plane and I flew down to Charlotte? Come on now. All right, I, I'm, I'm playing with hellfire. I'm, I'm just, just letting you know right now. Do you know that I was in the locker room, and I was shaking Coach Rivera's hand, and they're telling me all the words that I want to hear. Jason, we got a veteran team. We got an awesome young quarterback in Cam Newton. Jason, you can be a part of something special, all right? We can sign a contract upstairs and give you a boatload of money. And I'm sitting there in, that, in, in, uh, in the weight room, and I'm like, God, please help me. I don't know what I'm doing I don't even know why I got on a plane and why I came here. Like, please, like, please help me. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not supposed to be here. Like, Shh. And I'm looking over my shoulder like, man, did anybody else hear that? Like, did anybody else hear that? Because it was real evident and real plain to me. And I was so shook up and I was so stirred that I said, i I got to go. I got to go catch my flight. But but hold on a second, man. We just had a good visit. Look, I apologize, coach. I'll call you back. I got to go. And I went back to St. Louis and I said, I can't do that no more. Come on now, guys. We have to protect ourselves as, as, as men. When I talk about the the, the accountability, and, and Satan knows your favorite flavor of ice cream and just exactly how to tempt you, all right? For, for most men, for most men, especially men in the ministry, it's sexual immorality. It's adultery, all right? I'm just being honest right now. You can go online and do some research right now and, and see so many ministers, and guess what? If it was not beyond David, who was after God's own heart, What makes us think we're so special? What what, what makes us immune from trials and, and tribulations and all these temptations that are coming our way? We've got to come together as brothers, amen? And hold one another and uplift one another up in accountability. But at that time, there was nobody that, I hadn't even shared this with anybody because I thought that everybody was gonna think I was a crazy Christian. I hadn't even shared it with my wife because she had just completed dental school, all right? And the first second I told her that, hey, uh, we're probably going to stop playing football and we're going to sell our home in St. Louis that, that she was real nice and comfortable in, all right? Come on now, and, and we're going to move to the country and we're going to buy some land. And she's like, buy some land? What are you talking about? And what are you going to do with Land. I said, we're going to work the land and and feed. Who's going to work the land? Like, you see these hands? I didn't go to school for eight years to do that. And she's like, I'm glad God is sharing all this stuff with you because he ain't sharing none of this stuff with me. (laughs) Guys, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. And people still tell me all the time, I go to schools, and I talk to little kids. That's right, your age. Yeah, I, I see you with the Carolina blue shirt on. And you know what? These kids, they, they don't even try and hide it. You mean you walked away from what? You, you gave up what? You crazy. Like, you, you stupid. And they'll say it to my face because it doesn't make any sense unless you understand my relationship with Jesus. Come on now, guys. And so now... I appreciate and I love your God, you guys, your faithfulness. Coming here, getting up on a Saturday morning where you could be doing so many other different things. But when people look at my walk, when they look at the responsibility that we've taken in answering God's call and giving up everything to follow Him and to move to a farm and where, yeah, I, I, I work for free, okay? I, I'm, I, I'm working for Abba Father, I'm in the family business, amen? But when people see that, they're like, "Uh, yeah, Um, look, I want to go to church, and I want to be comfortable, and look, I want to be saved and all, but man, like, I don't know if I want to take it to that level. You know what they tell me? They say, Jason, man, like, you you care too much. They say, Jason, like, like, there must be something wrong with you. When I was beating myself up, playing football, risking heat stroke, risking concussions, getting my body beat up, bruised bruised and battered, everybody was cheering for me. Good job, Jason. Keep chasing after the world, Jason. Keep doing those things. But now that I'm on fire and running for the Lord, hey, you need to calm it down, Jason. All right? You're doing too much. Hey, you need to get some rest. You need to take a day off. And I'm like, really? Come on now, guys. There's work to be done in the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet, and he works through us. There's work to be done. And so I shared this story at times. My my oldest son, uh, whenever he's traveling with me, he usually heckles me. He says, Daddy, tell him about the story about the horse, Daddy. Tell him, Daddy. I'm like, huh, what? Tell him about the horse, Daddy. I'm like, all right, calm down. Calm down now, boy. And... Look, I don't know who your favorite athlete is, all right? Uh, Might be me, all right? This is chubby chubby offensive line. Look, it might be Nick back there, all right? But my favorite athlete isn't even a human being at all, but it's a horse by the name of Secretariat, all right? Shattered records, speed, distance, and performance still have not been rivaled to this day, even the coveted Triple Crown. And let me tell you what, guys, he looked... Exactly the same as any other thoroughbred racehorse on the outside. Nobody could figure out what made him so special, what made him run so hard and so fast and so far. But when he died, posthumously, they performed an autopsy on Secretariat because they said if it's not something on the outside, it's got to be something on the inside. And when they pulled out his lungs... Yeah, it look, looked the same, just like any other racehorse, any other thoroughbred horse. They pulled out his kidney and his livers. They, they placed it on the table. Yeah, looks just like any other thoroughbred racehorse. But when they pulled out his heart, they placed it on the table in front of them, and they stood back in awe and amazement because they had never seen nothing like it before. You see, your average thoroughbred racehorse has a heart that weighs about eight to eight and a half pounds. There was a great racehorse by the name of Eclipse whose heart weighed 14 pounds, almost twice the size of your average thoroughbred racehorse. That's what made Eclipse so great and special. But when it came to Secretariat, his heart weighed in excess of 22 pounds. A big leap of flesh. So an eight-pound heart, probably about like this. His heart, my God. Almost three times the size of your average horse. And so you truly want to know what made him so special. If you truly want to know what made him run so fast and so far and so hard, it literally was his heart. Literally. Got any doctors in the crowd? Any doctors? There you go, sir. All right. You talk to this gentleman right here, he'll tell you that having an enlarged heart is a serious medical condition. Having an enlarged heart, guess what? Look, look you shouldn't be walking around. You need to go sit your tail down somewhere. You need to be on bed rest because you shouldn't have a heart that big. You shouldn't. But when you use everything that God has given you, everything that he's blessed you with, and you run for him, you better watch out because some pretty awesome things are going to happen. Some miracles are going to happen, not in you, but in his name, because he is the one that gives us a heart transplant. Everyone is saying, Jason, man, Jason Brown, man, you're, you're such a good guy. No, I'm not. Ain't nothing special about me. I still got this flesh, all 400 pounds of it, a whole bunch of flesh, and it's wicked. And my flesh is at enmity with God, and there's nothing that I can do for him, not in this flesh, because those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the only thing good about me is Christ in me. That's the only thing that's good about me. And so, Jesus has given me a heart transplant. My capacity to love thy neighbor has literally grown. My capacity to forgive has literally grown. My capacity to run for him without quit has grown. And I shared this with the guys last night. I would watch these Westerns with my mother when I was a child. She, she loved everything about Clint Eastwood and John Wayne Westerns. And sometimes if, if there was a message that, that needed to be taken someplace, if there was an emergency, the cowboy would run the horse so hard and so fast and so long. And this is really frowned upon now, all right? Really frowned upon. But the horse wouldn't quit. The horse would literally have a heart attack and collapse. And I looked over at my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, come on now. Like, is is that real? Come on now, dad. Like, if someone was riding me like that, if someone was saying, come on, Jason, run harder, keep pushing it. I say, man, get off of me. You ain't going to drive me into the ground. You ain't going to kill me. And you know what my father said? The horse is so obedient to his master that literally he will surrender, even to the point of laying down his own life. Jesus was so obedient to his father, so obedient, even to the point of laying down his own life. Let me tell you what right now, guys. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to run for him until I cannot run any farther. The ministry and the calling that we have on our farm, I literally get no rest. This is a break for me because when I'm at home, I'm running. I'm leaving here right now, and I'm getting on a plane, and I'm headed back to North Carolina. And as soon as I get home at 10, 30, 11 o'clock tonight, I'm not putting my head down to rest because I've got work to do. And even tomorrow morning, I've got work to do. but it's this thing called comfort that we surround ourselves in. It's it's this thing that that, that we want to make ourselves, oh, just just, just real peaceful and and comfortable and and pacify ourselves and, and fill our time with all these worthless things. And people ask me, oh, man, yeah, Jason, you see that game last night? And... I lie sometimes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I saw it yet. I do not have the luxury to watch a three-hour football game or a two-hour basketball game. I haven't watched any sports, all right, in years. Uh, man, my, my brother Nick Foles back there, uh, n- n- another good friend of mine, um, K- Khalil, who was who the center for uh for, for the Carolina Panthers for, for so many years. I just had a conversation with him and, and I didn't even recognize him, all right? He was like, you don't remember me, Jason? And I was like, may I apologize? Uh, and and then, then I was like, well, when did you retire? What, uh, how long did you play for? He was like, I, I just retired last year. I didn't know. I ain't watching no sports, all right? If you're about your father's business... Let me tell you somebody who was faithful, someone that was about their father's business. Jesus, from the second he stepped foot on this earth until he left, he didn't leave anything. You talk about squeezing grapes, and that is my desire, that is my goal. Literally, that when God calls me home and I'm pressed, there's literally nothing Left. Nothing. And so my challenge to you men, I don't know what you're doing with your time right now. I don't know what you're doing with the rest of your Saturday. All right. But I know that God has given many of you a calling. God is is tugging at your heart. God is telling you some things that, that you need to do, that you should be doing. Possibly getting in your word more possibly shepherding your family and your children, all right, doing what you're supposed to do at home, amen, possibly calling you to do some awesome things with the church. But most times, someone comes up to the church and and they tell them, yeah, where I want to serve at, this is how I want to serve, and this is what I want to do, versus where is there a need in the church? And you know what? Whatever it is, I will humble myself. And I'll do it. (laughs) Whatever it is, I will humble myself and I will do it. And I'll be faithful at it as well. I may not know anything about it, but guess what? I'll learn. I'll do it. And God is going to receive all the glory. Y'all give me a five-minute countdown yet? You did? All right, just just making sure. But you should have stayed back. I told you to wave, all right? But I'll keep y'all here all day long, all right? Faithfulness, guys. Faithfulness. And what that looks like. We can draw as close to Jesus as we want to. As close to Him as we want to. And guess what? You see, see me on my farm working by myself? Uh, most of the time, if you saw me from a distance, you'd be like, man, like, who is Jason talking to? All right, he's just up there just having a good time in his tractor, singing praise and worship music. Guess what? I- I'm having a real intimate conversation with my Lord and Savior. All right? Like, we, we-, we, just-, we just having some-, some good, healthy dialogue. And he is with me at all times. And when he moves, oh, I'm taking up my cross. I'm following after Jesus. Wherever he's going, I'm following after him because he is the good shepherd. And one thing we say on our farm is to never stop giving, never stop loving, never stop growing. And I pray that every single one of you continues to be obedient, amen, and continues to be faithful in your walk with Christ. Let me pray for you, gentlemen. Dear Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for this day. This is a day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, dear Jesus. Let us be thankful for this opportunity for fellowship where, where we can come together as men. Men that you have called here, dear Jesus. Men that you have a calling over their lives. And we are just asking that you reveal yourself to them in an awesome and a mighty way. We just ask that you just send confirmation in an awesome and mighty way. Send send your angels, send, send a vision, send the Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father, so that they will know, they will be prepared, and they will be equipped, but also give them the boldness and the courage to step out on faith, to take that leap of faith, no matter what it looks like. But as long as we know that we are following after you, that all of our trust and our faith is in you, dear Jesus, who is the good shepherd. You, dear Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior. You, dear Jesus, our high priest, forever in the order of Melchizedek. We thank you so much, dear Jesus, for for forgiving us life and life more abundantly. But more than that, we thank you for forever interceding on our behalf, forever. We thank you for your faithfulness, dear Jesus. We thank you for your obedience to Abba Father, dear Jesus. And if we can just have that spirit, which is alive and well, if we can just have that spirit within us on the inside, man, we'll have some Holy Ghost revival. Man, we'll just run and not faint. Wow, dear Jesus, we'll just, we'll just uplift our families to just, to just turn towards you, towards the cross from which cometh our help, just in everything that we do, if we could just walk in that boldness as Paul and as Peter, and we can uplift your holy and your righteous name, just as John the Baptist in John 3 and 30, if if we can just put on humility and allow ourselves to decrease, but all at the same time, uplift your name, dear Jesus, where you increase, and we're going to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We love you, dear Jesus, and we thank you. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. I love you, gentlemen. God bless you. Shout out for Jason, love you all. <laughs>
1: Incredible. So we ended uh, just a little bit early because um, we, we're going to give you guys the opportunity if you want. Because honestly. He just only told you a little bit of the story this morning. There's so much more. He actually wrote a book. It came out last month. It's called Centered. We have a bunch of copies, and he's going to hang out because he's got to get on a plane in a couple hours. He's going to hang out for a bit. Right under there, we got uh, Men and Mariners swag and different Mariners gear. But right next to him, we'll be selling his book, and he'll sign it for you. And um, like I said, we want to help you in any way we can. And so if anything that you heard this morning pressed on your heart, if you have needs for prayer, care, whatever it may be, head over to those white tents, those guys right there. We'll pray for you this morning if you need it. And if you want to head over and and meet Jason and, and get a book, that's available. Otherwise, we'll see you this weekend at church. Guys, thank you for coming. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you next time.